Hello, I'm Peter Ayers and you're listening to Stages, the podcast that converses with creatives about craft, career and what matters to them. Rachel Beck was always destined for a career on stages. As a young person, she was regularly performing at Estedford's and keenly participating in school musicals. So enamoured of the magic of song and dance, she auditioned for the musical Cats at the age of 13. Considered too young for the show, she subsequently scored the show in later years as Rumpelteaser. Beck has, of course, gone on to become one of our favourite leading ladies, giving sterling performances in a host of stage shows. Beauty and the Beast, Les Miserables, The Sound of Music, Cabaret, Singing in the Rain, Next to Normal, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and Barnum, just to name a few. Rachel's passion and humour are infectious. It was a treat to sit down with her for this conversation and learn more about her engaging journey thus far. Well, how can you think about the answers if you don't know what the questions are? You told me what the questions were. It's about what's happening with the bloody state of theatre in COVID times. Well... Who, what am I? There's, there's... A fortune teller? <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got some sort of idea about where it's going, perhaps. Yeah, nowhere. At the moment. <laughs> does, does that... I'd like to explain. <laughs> does, does, uh, do... I'm glad we can laugh in the, the sight of the disaster. Um, <laughs> got to. So, does it cause you fear that the industry may not be up on its legs again for a while? You know, this is a big question and uh, I'm loath to answer it because I really, I don't know what's going to happen. I think it's it's being in that state of flux and being in that um, area of unknowing what the future holds and how long we are going to have to be treading water, which is the most scary feeling um you know there there are people trying to get things up and you know pippin and at the moment pippin and um frozen and magic mike i saw was happening as well very happy about that but um (laughs) (laughs) did you audition for magic mike no but i'm going to hold the auditions oh great (laughs) yes i've already told adrian's story i'll help um he thought it was a great idea (laughs) there's nothing's already been cast is it coming over from America? What, is it? Is it? Um, does it have an, a narrative, or is it just? Um, oh, it doesn't need a narrative, uh, Peter. Uh, no, just <laughs> colour and movement. Totally, right. song after song. Right. <laughs> so, look, I think it is very scary, and I think it's um, for my colleagues who are writers and. Um, people who well, trickling right through the whole industry you know the, the ticket master the people selling programs the producers the events venues it's just it's such a big um, we've had such a, a, a big um, hand at our throat uh, it just it's hard to breathe I think it's I think it's really affecting a lot of people and I think one of the things that uh, has has also come to light is just how the government feels about the arts and that has been a kick in the guts and I think it's um, it really makes us question our value and and the creative arts uh, respect in this country which is sad and uh, it's something that we're all talking about so I think there it's multi-layered the effects mm. um, and the worry mm. not just will we will we have another job but how about all the kids who are coming out of NIDA and Whopper and the, the future the future of, of this industry it's, it's going to involve uh, rebuilding really mm. to a degree um, mm. how the arts work and how those kids find a place for themselves absolutely in an industry which is already precarious yeah <laughs> when it's going <laughs> at the well the best of times yeah 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 <laughs> That's the thing. Let's let's hope that when the when the the plug is taken out, the floodgates will open. Yeah. That's what we're all praying. Yeah. Because there's going to be a hell of a lot of new material available. <laughs> well, I've said this before. You know, regular listeners would have heard me say this, but you know, in times of trauma, world trauma, the theatres have thrived. You know, people have have flocked in order for that escapism during the wars and depression and all that sort of thing. But but COVID just puts the kibosh and all of that it there's, absolutely there's does no and so well i suppose the people who are creative in terms of writing and and ideas people they're all 
sitting on them and and you know fermenting fermenting them and and hopefully bring them into fruition when this all starts again um but it's yeah hopefully there will be the film industry will um become more affluent and and bigger because well there's talk of that because you know that they america is not a place a safe place to be making film etc so they might flock to australia well they already they're starting will become the hollywood of the uh antipodes australia and new zealand magic mike four oh yes starring rachel (laughs) bear I don't know. Gosh, Mark, I don't think my pegs are big enough. <laughs> no, I thought, no, yes. You could be a romantic interest. Oh, I think so, definitely. <laughs> yes, why not? So how have you been um, <laughs> nourishing yourself, your soul, during this time, Rach? Just the usual way. Going to Dan Murphy's every day. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> uh, I've, I've actually, it was lucky for me because I had made pathways into... Um, working with schools and artist in resident and directing and lots of workshops and I've also joined a um, a company called High Performance Coaching, which have Transition Hub and a few a few outlets that they take into businesses and people who've been uh, outplaced or retired athletes or people who are rethinking their their passion. You know, at this time, it's been a great time for that. People mm-hmm. going, am I really in the right job? Am I living the life I want to live? Yep. Time of reflection. People, um, they do a five-day um, hub course. And there's a careers coach, a business analyst, which includes branding, um, communications coach, well-being coach, and a performance coach, which is me. So I've been doing a lot of media coaching and helping people um, understand how to do interviews, whether it's TV, radio, or newspaper interviews, how to present on Zoom, which has been great, and live as well in, yep. this, in this new era. So I'd already been making pathways for the past three or four years. So in fact, it... Um, you know, I, I've been able to re- rely on that because I do have two young kids, so yeah. it's it's hard for me to tour these days. I've had to be very um, select with with the jobs that I've done. So the the Wharf Review and a short season with Becoming Bill in Brisbane, a new musical. Barnum was short, so I've just yeah, the past three or four years, you'll see I've I've had to really be selective. So yeah, th- that's the way I've been I've been surviving. Yeah. Great. Well, Rachel Beck, um, audience mm-hmm. favourite, bona fide leading lady and triple threat. Bona fide. Oh, it's, um, like it's lovely it. to have you <laughs> on stages. Thanks for, um, for, for, for joining in the chat. Thanks. Rach, what star sign are you? Gosh, some people would say guess, but guess I can tell you something about my star sign. Right. I'm not typical. I'm not typical Virgo because... Virgos are supposed to be practical and ordered and anybody who knows me well knows that I never know what I want to order and I have to have sources on the side. I'm just, I don't know, I've got, I must have something strong rising. Are you a Virgo? Yes. It says you're Aquarius in Wikipedia. Yeah, you know why? Because you never, you never rely on Wikipedia. Because right. you know what happened? What? When I did Beauty and the Beast, yeah. <laughs> what happened was they got me mixed up with Susan Egan and then they changed, they, they've got the American... Um, Second and the ninth, so they've put ninth and the ninth of the second, but I'm second of the ninth. Oh wow! Okay. Yes. So that stuffed up my next whole line of questioning. I do know a lot of Aquarians, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not free spirited and eccentric. Well, I am. I should be. I should be you an should Aquarian. Should be Aquarius. Oh. I'm definitely not practical and and o- offbeat fashion sensibility. What do you think? I'm, I'm uh, wearing a you... lovely scarf up and down and almost over my head. You look gorgeous. Thank um, you. Unusual hobbies. Ooh, unusual hobbies. None that I can tell you tonight. A, a non-conformist <laughs> attitude. Well, look, I don't know. I don't know anybody in this industry that is conformist, but yeah. uh, I'm a gypsy for sure. And uh, you're ruled by Uranus. Oh, am I? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know about that. Um, maybe um, I'm ruled by my heart. Maybe I'm Venus. There, there you go. You heard it first. Rachel Beck is not Aquarius. She's a no, Virgo. I do get, I do get some happy birthdays on the 9th of the second. Right for on Sus- Instagram for Susan Egan. Yes. All right. You know, just because Wikipedia's got the wrong date, and it's six months 
I'm six months older on Wikipedia than I really am, so it doesn't help either. Oh, the pain, the I pain. You'll have to go in and correct it. No, I have. Endomarkey's corrected it five times, and oh, they right. keep they keep saying no. Turning it back. Yes, they keep because many people, I suppose, change their birth dates on Wikipedia. <laughs> yes, the years especially. Yeah. Um, what makes you happy, Rach? Oh, what makes me happy? I asked this to my I asked my thirteen year old and eleven year old this question at the dinner table the other night because I think it's important to remember and remind yourself what makes you happy in those times of darkness or those times where you think everything's too hard. Mm. What makes me happy? I love my, my girls. I love um, flowers. I love reading. I love laughing. Humour. Humour is my number one. I, I it's love the people best, who are best medicine, sparkly. isn't it? It absolutely is. Yeah. If you can laugh... You can solve anything. I do. I do love. Um, I do love meditation. I meditate and I. I love um, yoga. So I, I have to find ways to really earth myself in this crazy industry. Yeah. And I found that those two, um, those two ways of grounding myself work work very well for me. Yeah. Well, Marilyn Monroe said that um, you know to restore herself, she has to be alone. That, that's when. Uh, she... What was she doing when she was alone? No, taking drugs. Well, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I think just getting away from the rat race and just being at peace with yourself. Yeah, I think that's something that is. Do you like very being alone? Valuable. I do. I, yeah. I, I've not lonely, um, but just alone. No. Well, I, I spent many years lonely when I left home at fifteen and went down to do cats on my own, and I was lonely. And I, I think I spent many years. Um, running from that but in the past probably in the past five or six years in my later 40s I've really um, learnt to and I really value my own space and my own time mind you when I'm doing eight shows a week I would always get away um, even on my own to have a night away somewhere just to refresh and and recharge but just in general life these days, I'm finding that I, I'm loving my own space and just being able to look at the wind in the trees or, yeah, to have my own space. But mind you, it's it's either, it's very on or off for me because I've got the girls, my two girls on my own yep. um, for a whole week and then a couple of days the next week. So I, I really use that time to recharge yeah. and do some things for me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's important to look after yourself. Yeah, it's important to know how to look after yourself yeah, and, yeah. and to know what does recharge you, a bath or a good book or... It might be a knife the, the simple dinner. pleasures. Doing a podcast. Doing a podcast. Really? really? Oh, it's lovely. It's lovely to be here in your lovely patchouli-smelling <laughs> room. Oh, thank you. So um, <laughs> are you anticipating anything from this conversation? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I was going to ask you if you could come to Magic Mike with me. Oh, yes. Good. When, okay. When, uh, uh, book. Yeah, yeah. well, who knows? Might get a couple of tickets. Book two. Oh, that'd be lovely. Oh, okay. Oh. Who, who, when's it on? Magic Mike, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Like we're doing this huge age for Matt. Adrian's story is going to be so happy with me. All right. Uh, in December. In December somewhere. No, it's, I'm just fascinated that there's a stage show of Magic Mike. Oh, but is it just a polite way of saying a strip show? Hope so. I mean, you know, like <laughs> the, thund- the thunder down under and um, I don't, I don't know. Aussie boys and um, oh yeah, exactly. How about because um, well, the, Jamie Drury, Drury was yeah, in. yeah, yeah. Um, that was thunder down under, wasn't it, or was something it? like that? Oh, yeah, I thought it was the or there was something there was something boys or the men or Aussie something um, men. Oh god! See, they were just strip shows. They were coming they were. out and no, wave your bits look. around and um, exactly. scream. Whereas Magic Mike, it you had, know, it, well, it we're comes expecting from a storyline, won't we? A narrative source. Hmm, it does. So I just thought that you want to know who wrote the book, don't you? Gee, you are a you are a drama teacher. And, you want and, to know that? And who's playing? Is, is it, I never get his name right. Chatham. I, me too. Chatham. Um, Chatham. T- t- um, Channing. 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 Tatum. Oh, he's gorgeous. Stockard um, Channing. Stockard Channing. No, I hope he's coming out. That'd be good. I don't think Is he, he coming will, out? Oh, I always suspected. I thought oh, he might. Stop oh. it, you. Oh, stop different, dreaming. Different coming out. Um, <laughs> Magic Mike. Wow, the mind boggles. <laughs> now, um, your grandfather mm. was uh, a tap dancing cane farmer. Jock. Jock Sydney Lee. Yeah. 
Yes, he absolutely was. And he used to be one of the men that used to write all of the reviews in those in those days. Cane farmer, write the reviews and go from farm to farm with his truck and put down the you know how they used to just put out the side of the truck and yeah. he used to get his tap shoes on and do the that used to be the stage and they used to do a review in the farm in the farmyards cane fields the cane farm yes like the doctor's review at uni and <laughs> yeah, the lawyer's totally. review and they had a cane farm's review absolutely well, wow. the, peter casey used to be part of his family's farm reviews yeah yeah he told me wow i know how about that so the, we've always been tricksters little and, little and your, gra- your grandmother winnie yes was a pianist Yes, she was. Oh, you've done your research. Yeah, true. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's in the DNA. I think the trickster, jokey part of me is definitely in, in, in the DNA. I mean, my father, he wrote musicals, directed musicals. He was a lead player at the Ballina Players. In fact, my mum and he met doing um, Oklahoma. Wow. Uh, yes. She was in the ensemble and he was the lead. Yes. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, I did speak to my dad not long ago and I just said, Dad, do you think if times were different, you would have pursued a career, a crazy career in the in, in this industry? And he said, absolutely. So you're right, probably from both sides. You were destined for bright lights, it would seem. don't know. Maybe, yeah. Because interesting, the other side of your family um, business um, is teaching. Yes, a lot of teachers. Dad was a teaching, mum was a teacher, your brother's a teacher. Yeah, you, his you are, wife you is, a, is a... I am a teacher You're too, effectively my... teaching now, yeah. Totally. So that's yeah. in the DNA as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's probably something that um, I've watched and, and seen and I've seen the importance and how the importance of teaching people. I mean, I'm speaking to the converted here, but... It's just something deeper for me. It's something that's deeper than performing. And I see I see how you can affect and help build or, or enlighten or nurture these beautiful beings who are trying to find their way or find themselves. And it's such a it's such a special and um, It's a privilege. It's absolutely, that's the word I was searching for. It's a privilege to be able to be a part of their lives at that time. And I think, Pete, I, I also connect with, with teaching, especially um, young people in high school because I left in year 10. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I understand some of those feelings, you know, and some of those, I don't know, the, the, the steps and the... The holes and the worries and the the finding, trying to find yourself, because I did that all on my own. Mm. We'll talk about that shortly. Oh, good. This is we're talking about your uh, launch into show business. Oh yes. But before that, yes. Can you sing a few bars of the Count? Ha! <laughs> you know that I am called the Count <laughs> because I really love to count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There you go. Wow, the Count from Sesame Street. The Count from Sesame Street. I had no idea that he put out records or, um, <laughs> or that he was a songwriter, but you just to perform that in I a Steadfords. I did. It was we- my winning number. My winning number. And um, look, I think part of it was that at the end, the Count went, went mad because he just counted too much. And my mum had made it an upturn, a cauldron with coloured paper mache balls in it that were quite hard after they'd been painted and I used to throw them out into the audience and knock people in the head. Immersive theatre. Oh, fantastic. That's That's exactly what it was. (laughs) I tell you what, I just just think I got 10 extra marks for that because I just went that extra step. I broke broke the barrier. Wow. So you you were in a Steadford baby. Did you go around and do them all? Oh, I only did Lismore, Grafton, and Mwollum Bar. Right. But I had the likes of Christopher Horsey. Um, I had As all an the adjudicator? Horsey, no. Uh, no. Again, in my, in my um, age bracket. Right. So we were every competing. second year competing against each other. Matthew Jones, who's in the Aussie Ballet, competing against him and his sister. Um, Jan Pinkerton. Uh, there, are, there are quite a few fantastic performers in that area. Uh, so well, Steadford's a great first steps, really, aren't they, for those mm. kids who maybe don't have access to a commun- community theatre group or uh, 
drama at school there was or whatever? nothing there was nothing at that time the dancing schools were it or you could be a horse person be a horsey person yes a question well no i wouldn't go that. well yes yeah be a horsey horsey person or a football person or do dancing Right. Basically, in those days, I'd choose dancing too. I think. Did you do you did you dance ever? Uh, no, no, not as a child. In later years, oh. when I was whopper, that was part of the curriculum. Yes, of course. Beginners ballet at twenty six is a bit Ooh. bit of a chore. Got any photos? Um, later on. Okay, later good. on. Okay. I hope so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, what what was the young Rach like? You don't mind me calling you Rach, do you? Are no, you? I like Rach. Rach oh, is good. Yes. Right. Um, I was. I, don't, I was in love with performing and um, happy. My mum taught me optimism and every day she would say, come on, lovely new day. And I still carry that with me. And I try to teach my girls. Um, living, on, uh, living on a farm and it, it was very much big fish in little pond. And we were the crazy kooky Beck family. So... I had that as well, that, that we were a little bit different, um, which was fine. We didn't mind that at all. We stuck together. But it also meant there wasn't much competition. And so I, I could just be a free whirler and do whatever I did. Yeah. Um, I was I was obsessed. I, not obsessed in a bad way, but I just wanted to. I would always take myself up to dance at the Scout Hall to practice. If, if there were floods, even I remember when I was nine, there were there sometimes were floods in Lismore and my mum would drive to a certain point. And in those days, she used to let me get into a truck with a truck driver we'd never met. And he would take me across across the floods to get to dancing lessons. Wow. So, you know, that's how in love I was with it. And luckily I had parents who had had a taste of it and knew what it would take for me. I mean, I push them. And that's if anybody asks me, should should my little child who's so talented do um, do this be in this industry or continue I, I, I would say it's not a question mm. they will push you mm. and they should only do it if they push you don't yeah. you push them yes they will let you know absolutely that's the only way you should go into this industry don't you agree I absolutely agree yeah, yeah. you've got to have that passion and that hunger and um, yeah, it's the stage mums there's a few stage dads as well mm. who are generally the concern because they're trying to live out a career that they didn't achieve themselves. Mm. Mm. That's it. And place it on their child. I don't think you should place anything on your child. You need to nurture them and whatever their dreams are, sort of mm. do what you can to support them to, to make it come true. That's right. And yeah. and perhaps they need to try a few different things. And this is the, this is this time with my 11, 13-year-old, and you're right in the middle of it as well with your girls, um, to to let them try lots of different things yep. and not to put too much pressure on one thing only. Mm. So were you listening to cast recordings at home? Were you watching the Sunday afternoon movie? What yeah. did you know about musical theatre? Yeah, my dad was playing it all the time. It's right. not well. Also with Neil Diamond and um, who's the little really short um, opera? Was it German opera singer? Anyway, I can't remember his name. Mario. Lanza. Mario Lanza. Yep. Yes. Well, he was, dad was listening to Evita, which is one of my favourite musicals. Evita, um, JC Superstar, Cats, Pear. He would listen to, and he also directed musicals as well. Right. So we would, he would do Fiddler on the Roof and Orpheus in the Underworld and a lot of, um, a lot of, you know, Captain of the Pinafore, Gilbert and Sullivan's as well. He would... But also Man of Steel and the traditional ones that were written for school for school kids. He directed all of those types of musicals. So night after night, we would, when we were five and six and seven, get our little yellow chairs and be watching watching these shows. So he'd be playing them. We'd sit and watch him, you know, direct these shows. And we were old enough. I was actually at Lismore High when he was directing, and then we moved to I moved to Skeggs Redlands for a couple of years, and he directed the musicals and also was head of economics. <laughs> um, at the, both of those schools, so I was able to perform in those musicals. So what musicals did you do with your dad that he directed you in? Man of Steel. Right, the, the Superman musical. Superman, yeah. Mm-hmm. Superman, na, na, na. but I was the witch. Uh, and A witch in Superman? Well, she was the she was Olga, Olga from the Volga. Right. Yeah, she was the evil one. Right. 
I got the power, I remember that. And I did, what's up, the Mikado. And. You're Pity Sing. No, I was. Oh, no, because I was too young. So they gave all the roles to the older kids. You were in the chorus? Yeah, I was the leader of the dancers. Oh, right. right. (laughs) That was fine. Um, I just love being in it. Dance Dance captain. Dance captain, I definitely Mm -hmm. was. Uh, What else did we do? What was the other one? I can't even remember the other one. I can't remember. There was another one at Skeggs, but... Oh, no, the second one at Skeggs I, I missed out on because I went down to do Cats. Right. Well, which brings us, it's a lovely segue... Thank you. ...about parents encouraging their children. Mm. I assume that you're, you're, even though they were teachers, they saw the passion that was ignited in your soul, mm. so were happy about you pursuing a career in the arts. Mm. Uh, so much so that at the um, age of 16, was it? 15. 15, you're a little bit younger, so you're 10. <clears throat> you go down to Melbourne to do cats. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, I completed my school certificate by correspondence and I went down and lived with somehow, I don't know how mum and dad found the names of one of the girls who was also in the show, who was 17, her parents, she'd moved, she was moving out to live with some other people in the cast. Her parents didn't have any other children at home. So I stayed with these two people I'd never met. I didn't know anyone in Melbourne. Um, but then we found some distant cousins as well, who remained very close to me. But at that stage, I didn't know anyone. And, um, started rehearsals with Gary Ginevan and all of these So was this the original people. company or did you This was the original this was the original company they'd already done Sydney. Right. And then they went down to Melbourne with most people. Laura didn't go. Right. So I took over. So kind of recasting. And I don't think, you know, um a lot of the kids today who are doing shows realise just how big Cats was. Oh. I mean that It broke was, the mould. It broke the mould mm. for all sorts of reasons. Mm. You know, it was said that this show would not move from Sydney, so people from all around Australia and New Zealand mm. um, flocked to Sydney to see the show. Yeah, um, exactly. It was the first sort of uh, ticket price hike, I think. Yeah. You know, the first show that came out into the audience as yes, well. Yes, that immersive experience yeah. again. It was, and Cats <laughs> was very much the star, the the, the show, yeah. you know, and and the set too, I think. Mm. Um, even though it had all of these great Australian musical theatre performers mm. uh, in the company. But, exactly. But it was huge. It was. It was, and it was, and it was so successful for such a long time. You know, it ran and ran and ran, and so many people have played those roles in Australia, mm. which is brilliant, and New Zealand. All yeah. of the tours and tours upon tours. Uh, and I think that... It really is a show, mostly a, a triple threat show, because you did have to sing well, you had to dance really well, and you know you did have to act and and embody those characters. So, for its time, you had to be highly skilled mm. to to play those roles for sure, and extremely athletic and fit. <laughs> I don't know one person who's done cats who doesn't who hasn't got a lifelong injury. Like a bat, like their their backs pretty bad, or yeah. they've got sore knees, or they carry something from from that show. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah. Well, for, 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 well, for a lot of performers, especially dancers, it's at RSI. You know, you're doing a particular move every night, and some of those choreographers can get you to twist into all sorts of positions and and miss uh, Julian Lynn. So yeah, did with that. Yeah, she uh, did. Were you the youngest cat? In the in the company that it had in been in the world in the world really ever because you auditioned at the age of thirteen and I they said did. no thank you You're yeah they a said bit young. well no they actually said if we find another girl who's thirteen when we do our auditions we'll let you share the role I was an acrobat as well right. so they then then they said no we didn't find someone who was who was able to share the role so they just kept calling me calling me back wow. then in the last audition I went old enough Mungo Jerry. <laughs> Rumple teaser. Rumple teaser. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. right. Mr. Ginevan was Mungo Jerry. Yes, beautiful Gary. Dear Ginevan. Gary. Gary. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. given. He, you know, gave a lot to this industry and young performers. He certainly did. Did you have the pleasure of doing any Gary Ginevan attraction shows? No, I didn't. You never because got one. well, I was in Sydney, and he sort of all of his shows were really based in Melbourne. Oh no, he toured. I did four shows in did he? for Sydney seasons. Yeah. Oh, well, I suppose I was working and doing things too. Yes. Yes. I gave my big ears in Noddy. Oh, did you? I did. This was very good. Oh, 
Um, I think I've seen pictures of you, actually. That was great. And uh, my favourite role, Eeyore in Winnie the Pooh. Oh, how beautiful. (laughs) Anyway, it's not about me. It's about you. Um, It could be about you, too. Your (laughs) listeners would love to hear about that. (laughs) So, so Kat's down in Melbourne at age 16 and into the the bright lights of the theatre. It must have been a baptism of fire and a huge education because there's all sorts of people that you're going to... To meet in the oh theatre, aren't they? Gosh, all sorts all of fabulous sorts. people. Yes, but you know, it's it's not as if you're going into the Sound of Music and there are, there's anybody who is remotely your age or, you know, just been doing singing on the side or. The world, the dancing world, can be quite um, hard. It's 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 a different kettle of fish, yeah. and, you know, it's it was it was, tough. It was tough, and I was lonely. And I remember Sundays used to be my crying in the bath day, because you've got to remember that we didn't have mobile phones. So I, I would only call, I could only call my parents, you know, once every two days or something. Um, and during the day, I didn't know what to do, and I didn't. I hung around with some of the, the cast members, but you, your brain and your emotions and and your concept of the world and yourself really doesn't stop forming until you're 24. So it was a really interesting time for me. Um, because a lot of the cast members were much older. Um, having said that, I don't think I've ever done a harder show than Cats mm. in any way. As you say, a baptism of fire, but it set me up for for what was to come. Survive that, you survive anything. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but a big ask also, not only managing your professionalism as a performer, just looking after yourself, making sure you, you ate the proper things mm. that you were able to... Mm. You know, keep house. To yeah, I, I definitely dabbled with anorexia for a couple of years. Right. Yeah, f- three or four years, and I think it's it's those peer, unitards. peer pressure, or I think because I was still a little bit of a chubby teenager compared right. to the ballerinas and you know the other people who were older and found themselves and found their bodies, I suppose. But also, they say that eating disorders is about control, and maybe I felt a sense a loss of control, yeah. um, and I just think I. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think it was, yeah, I think it was a combination of that that just ate away at me. <laughs> um, and fortunately, I overcame that, yeah. you know, after about five years. But, you know, I wasn't hospitalized or anything like that. No, but it no. was, you know, a lot of dancers in particular are prone to bulimia and anorexia. Um, and it's it's something that, that is fortunately much more spoken about and open and, and watched. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm, I feel very grateful and lucky that I could hold, that I held myself together so well, you know, being a young performer, being in that situation, I didn't go down the, the, the drugs and alcohol way, which some of them did. Yeah. Did you smoke? No, I didn't smoke. I didn't smoke. Congratulations, bravo. That's great. I know. Um, but I, you know, I had, I still had the grasshoppers. I don't, I, my daughters don't hear this, but I still had the, you know, the grasshoppers at the, you know, on the Saturday nights, which is the cocktail. Even though I was sixteen, whatever, I'd, I'd have cocktails with the with the cast. Well, it was <laughs> but um, you know, it was totally different. I was an was, adult. I was in this yeah. adult world. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I forget the documentary. There's a wonderful documentary about the kids who have played uh, Annie or the Orphans. Oh, interesting. After Tomorrow or something like that. And uh, I remember they were being interviewed, this is on Broadway, and they were such a hit, that that original season of, of Annie, that the kids would often be taken to Studio 54 after the show and just paraded. And they said, we can't believe it, you know, that, that, <laughs> that adults would take us to Studio 54 at that particular and, time. And what without... was their... Well, and what were they saying now about that? Were, were oh, how, they how horrific or... that was. Yes, oh, yes. So it damaged them, did it? Oh, it didn't. Oh, no. I don't know if it damaged them, but they were just outraged that that could happen. But, <laughs> exactly. you know, we've exactly. come a long way... Um, we certainly have. ...to uh, appropriate practice in all Look, sorts of areas. Look, I've been in certain shows where definitely extortion was happening by the parents to the performing child. You know, the performing child was definitely... No, Sarah Monaghan and Hey Dad, and there's there's a few big stories out there yeah. where it, where it does happen. Um, and again, fortunately, people are talking about it, and people are uh, people are realizing and and becoming enlightened. And 
you know, realising that this has a long-lasting effect. It's not mm. right. It's not right at all. No. Making the industry a better place. Absolutely. By recognising it all. Mm. Let's talk about um, some of the great shows that you've gone on to, to be part of. Yes. Uh, Belle in Beauty and the Beast. Now, that was an Australian premiere here, mm. and you were the first Belle. Mm. Tell us about that audition process, because I imagine a lot of, a lot of girls were up for it, mm. or young women, mm. and um, the competition would have been fierce. Oh, yeah, And yes, the first, first Disney yeah. show, big Disney show to be... Outside of America. Yeah. <clears throat> um, this, it was, yeah, the, the second, biz, second live Disney show in terms of musical ever. Um, so it was a very long process. I mean, I did eight to 10 auditions, full, full on auditions, many songs, many routines, um, workshopped. So it was, uh, it was very full on. I was doing me and my girl at the time. Uh, had I done Hey Dad? Yes, I'd done Hey Dad. Um, and... I just can remember. It's funny these days when I when I'm workshopping and teaching young performers and performers who want to get into NIDA or WAPA or you know further than that, I help people with their auditions and they they want to aim and shoot for specific roles. And they say, "How do you get the role? How do you um, how do you win it?" And I I don't know if I've ever been as successful in doing this, but I remember that I was Belle. I, I, I almost told myself that I, I wasn't even Rachel Beck anymore. So when I walked in, every time I walked in, there was no question that I wasn't this character. I can't even I can't even explain it to you in the words that we have. Well, Being it's a, a human, it's a this psychological English, preparation. It's, a, it's, a, it's such. Yeah. It was such a shift. But everything I looked at, everything I ate, everything I, it was like something I became. Almost, I, I feel as almost like a Daniel Day Lewis uh, type yeah. thing. Yeah. And I absolutely told myself that I was this princess, this 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 character. And I, as I said, I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever been able to do that again. I don't know, it was quite a bit of a madness perhaps, but... Were you able to turn it off and on or did you sort of have um, Belle with you through always, that? Always, always with me. But so not as if home. I was hearing voices and you, things, but you went home and read I just books. had that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, ha- I just had that... I just, it was always present in me through that yeah. whole audition process and leading up to it and working on it. Yeah. I think whenever we do a show, though, that, and play a character, there's certainly a residue of that character that oh. follows us into a, oh goodness, into the yeah. daytimes. Yes. And I think yeah. that, you know, fortunately, you know, I've played some pretty heavy roles such as um, Diana in Next to Normal for Black Swan. And that was quite a long time, for, for quite a long, it was three months. And... Um, Fontaine as well there are psychological effects when you play those characters you do carry them during during the day because it it is your brain can't differentiate what is real and what is not when these words are coming out of your head and if you you are telling yourself you are that character which is what you do when you're acting your brain can't differentiate that and fortunately there's been a lot of um new uh almost uh, I don't know, sort of self-workshopping that have has been created, not just meditation, but ways to undo the character and undo yourself psychologically yeah. from characters, which has come out and a lot of um, a lot a lot of work has been done to show actors how to undo yourself from that character because you you definitely. I mean, I remember doing Les Mis and I was slight. I think I was slightly depressed the whole time just slightly slightly down I had to die every night I had to you know be raped every night I and and when you are when that's playing in your in your headache times a week your whole body feels it and of course it's going to change you change yourself it's going to change your vibration yeah that's something that a lot of the punters probably wouldn't realize you know that they look at the illusion which is up there but Mm. but what actors put themselves through Mm. to deliver that as authentically as they can mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. night. So yeah. playing Fontaine and Diana, are you you conscious of that that sort of 
high emotional state that you're in mm. eight times a week mm. do you consciously go and try and find a happy place or fun stuff to do yeah although I, I suppose I, you can also be emotionally drained during the day that you're just resting well the thing is yeah you, you usually when you're playing especially big roles such as diana or bell or um oh yeah or maria and sound of music you you are drained every day you're drained and then you bring yourself up for the show and also you don't want to um, you don't want to use your, vo your your voice so much during the day or your energy that is sleep is everything as David Hobson kept telling me um, to sleep Rachel sleep and I'm like I can't um, but I used to do lead lighting I used to give myself some things to do I studied I studied psychology and archaeology while I was doing um, while I was doing me and my girl and I don't know. I, mean, I, I continued a little bit in Beauty and the Beast, but that was a really big role. I did that for about two and a half years, actually. I studied studied those two um, things. Uh, but I did lead lighting and I, I did circus training. And I, I did a few things that took me away, but took me into real life as well, because it is such an unreal... Mm. I, I go and watch lectures on, you know, astronomy and, you know, different different things that are totally totally brought me back down to earth. I think it's important for... Uh, performers to do that because it is as I said such an unreal unreal world it's a wonderful world but I think it's also good to remind yourself of everything else that's out there yeah do you enjoy the machinery of a large commercial musical because mm. it's huge I mean yeah you know, there's something like a hundred people or more that come together every night to create this magic exactly I have to say there are great elements and not so great elements in every type of um, performing in terms of one woman shows, which I love doing as well, and a small audience at the stables or the big shows such as the Beauty and the Beasts or the Sound of Musics. Um, there are good and good and bad points. In a certain sense, I feel you, you would think that you felt you would feel less pressure with so many people being just and you'd feel just like a cog with those big shows but actually you feel more pressure in my in my eyes you feel more pressure in those big shows because there's more money at stake and yeah. um if your cog doesn't go well then the whole thing will fall apart especially if you're elite yeah. uh and in the smaller, the smaller shows and more intimate shows, you are more exposed in a way, but you're more in control. And I don't mind that. Yeah. Control. We're never in control. I know that. But you, you, you don't feel as though you are. Often in those big shows, <laughs> hello, they're, they're brought into Australia, and you, you. On this word, you step on 13, and then on that word, you step on... You have to make your way to number nine by then and turn to the left, and you know what I mean? So That's <laughs> tough, making it organic and, and work for you. Absolutely, and, and I, I did have some uh, fun times with the Disney people because it, because it was the first show outside of Australia and they weren't used to working with... I'm sure they are now, but they weren't used to working with live people. Uh, it was <clears throat> hard to to not convince them but to let them trust your creative input yes and your vision for bell and, and your vision because mm. i'm a human being and mm. I, I i all you know there are a number of people who can be bell in their own way yes otherwise you're just <coughs> giving a uh, an impersonation of susan egan totally and you're totally. not an impersonator you're mm. an actor mm. and sometimes i did feel a bit that way but um, fortunately, the Americans go home, and <laughs> I'm never going to have by Disney again. <laughs> I tell you what, Mama came out. No, I'm only joking. <clears throat> but that—that's always the challenge with shows um, that are brought out when when the I think when the creative team don't know how bloody wonderful we all are in Australia. Yeah, they really, they really sometimes you just see the surprise on their faces they just go oh my god you, you guys are so wonderful yeah and uh it's something i often hear you've sometimes gone into resume a role after a performer has left mm. um, sound of music cabaret mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is that 
difficult, a difficult task. I mean, how much freedom have you got to create your own performance then? You, you have more freedom. And so it's actually a lovely thing to do yeah. <laughs> because <clears throat> often, oh, well, with Cabaret, they actually flew me over to New York to, to work with the, with the creators there, which was fantastic, absolutely wonderful. Um, but often if you take over from somebody else, <clears throat> you, you have the Australian, the Australian contingent, contingency, contingent yep. to, to put you into the show. And you, they all usually know you very well and have seen, seen your work and trust your work. So often they will be more able to, um, to find the role, to, to let you find the role and grow your version of the role. That, that's what I, that's my experience. Yeah. And at the same time <clears throat> of fitting in with those other established performers who've been doing the show for 12 months or so. And I can tell you what, those established performers who've been doing it for 12 months can't bloody wait for a new person to yeah, do it a different way. To keep it, yeah, <laughs> to to keep keep it fresh. fresh. And to yeah. have new energy and yeah. to, you know, put the emphasis on a different word. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and there are those roles like Singing in the Rain come along with it. It's a party every night. Yes, you know? so much, beautiful. How much joy in those numbers and oh. and, and celebration. And great costumes. Mm. Are, are costumes great important costumes. to you? Well, you know, everyone loves a costume. Yeah. The, the people I'm working with are the most important thing to me. And I remain very close friends with Todd and, and Michael and David Hobson. And I was very close friends with Rob Guest too. My leading men, Peter Cousins. Um, <clears throat> for me, the takeaway are the relationships, always. The people that you that you have contact with. Um, yeah, the costumes are amazing and the, the sets, the sets are, as well are wonderful. Um, the feeling of the theatres as well is, is very, um, has a big effect. But I think, yeah, I think that the, the thing that I that excites me the most is who I'm working with, yeah. not just my fellow performers, but who's directing it and music, musical director as well. Yeah. Sometimes you know you'll ask who the musical director is or or the director, and you'll go, "Oh, I'm not sure." <laughs> <laughs> you know, do you, well. You know, you you get to this stage and you go, "Okay, what can I learn now? What do I want to learn creatively? Can I can I do I feel as though?" And this is the director as well. Obviously, you you choose people that mm. you think you're going to be able to have great communication with and learn from each other and Creative. be able to play with each other. Mm. So, and that happens on the other side, can I tell you directors, that we go, okay, maybe I won't audition for that because I I, um, I feel as though I don't want to go down that path or, you know what I mean? I, I've, you've got a couple of things to choose from. I think I'm going to be pushed by this director or this musical director or I feel held by this director more than that director. Mm. I feel safe with that musical director, you know? What's your dressing room space like? How, how do you set up your dressing room? Home. Like home? Like home. I have a kettle. I have cards. I have photos. I have flowers. I have a lot of food, a lot of snacks. I'm a snacker. I'm the sort of person, <clears throat> much to many people's, <laughs> many leading men and women's um, despair, I'm the sort of person that would love to come in 15 minutes before the show starts, get to the theatre. Sometimes I do change my my time to, to enter the theatre is half an hour call, not the, not the hour. I like to come in already warmed up um, and I like to put my makeup on, get dressed and walk on the stage. So at the five minute call, beginner's call, I will be doing my last bits of my makeup. Rachel Beck, come to stage, come to stage, even if I'm the first person on. I, I, I like to keep it in flow and in, move, and in movement as though it's just part of my daily routine. So I like everything to feel as though it's just normal just normal I like to and that keeps me very relaxed I find I'm, I'm not relaxed if I'm ready at the half hour and pacing and going over my lines and, and what if that could happen and last night that happened I've got to think about that it's better for me if I can be um, I find I can get to that organic inspired place and relaxed place if I if I don't get into my head yeah. I like it to go bang, 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 walk on the stage, bang, and I'm I'm here. You know, I've, I've, I do it in my head. I, I get prepared in my head with the role while I'm putting my makeup on. I become that character. Mm. But I don't like the space. I, I, I don't... For me, it doesn't work. 
So that's my, that's my long way of saying I like it to feel like home. Yeah. I don't want to feel as though I'm in this, oh, bright lights, here we go, here's the theatre. That's not for me. Well, that applies a certain amount of pressure on you as well, mm. doesn't it? It snaps me into a, into a non... Um, I don't know, a non-Rachel Beck. I become the character and I am the character, so I don't want to feel as though I'm having to not, not be me. Isn't that funny? On the stage. And some people love that becoming someone else. I'm just thinking that now out loud in this podcast. But, you know, some people use that as the mask they wear so that they can become another character. But I'm the opposite. For me, it comes from the inside. Mm. It's not something I put on. It's mm. something that is me that is just an embellishment of me which is that character that walks on stage oh my goodness i'm so glad i workshopped that (laughs) (laughs) write a book about it yes and write that book book. (laughs) um have you ever thought of writing a book no todd's writing one is he i'm scared about it Uh we've had some very naughty times you'll be mentioned you'll have to proof it before uh before Mm. it goes to publishers uh, Rach, so I'm, I'm aware that recently you were approached about a role in a big commercial musical, which yep. is um, uh, we might see in the near future, but mm. you declined yes, participation. Yes, I did. I did. Why? I, a number of reasons. I, well, again, I have to be very select with the, the shows that I do because it takes away from, you know, this industry is such, it's, it's not... Um, it's not geared towards family life and when I'm away every single night and I can't see my kids it really irks me they're 11 and 13 and they're at that at that stage coronavirus my mum couldn't come down and help me because I'm a single mum so my mum couldn't come and help me with the girls too um but also I also it 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 has to be a role where I feel as though I will grow and learn and um, or a role that I've really wanted to play and I think that was another thing and the other thing is that I'm really focusing and putting my energy into those other elements of, of my working life that I was telling you about the teaching and the transition hub um, sprinkling the 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 performance coaching and the self-belief and the confidence and the um talking about emotions not only to to kids and teenagers and and young kids but to we call them muggles normal people (laughs) isn't that funny (laughs) i don't mean that in a derogatory way but it just means that we see ourselves as a bit kooky um but also just to people who are at at that time of change and uncertainty and i feel as though i have something to give Hmm. And for me, that's where I want to put my energy at this time. So, again, if it was Ava Perron and Evita, I, I, I don't know. Who knows what would have happened. But um, but you've got enough runs on the board at the moment. That, I do. That, that Look, you're an established leading lady. Hmm. And hopefully, you know, the producers always have you in mind hmm. Um, hmm. for something tomorrow, yeah, next who knows? year. Who knows yeah, exactly? Yeah. Or you know, I'm at this. I'm I'm at the point now where there there are a few things I really would love to do as well. So I I sometimes Other than call musical theatre or oh no, well no? Uh, plays, but also yeah, I mean I mean approaching producers yeah, and getting sure. together and producing things myself too sure. that I want to do. Yeah. So um, I I think for me I, I I have to be these days because I'm a mother um, more targeted, and and there are other hearts and souls at play yeah. in my life at the moment for the next four years yeah yeah so i don't know there, there are a lot of there are a lot of points there to that answer wasn't there yes but it's safe to say you're in a nice long run at the moment i certainly am yes, yes. Mm. <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> what's been your opening night ritual are you superstitious do you uh, Ooh, gosh i've never been asked that do you arrive particularly early on opening night even though you'd like to be there 15 minutes before no i don't i i have to pretend do, it's just an everyday every ev- every yeah I do just you get cards for everybody or um no i have to pretend that it's an, a normal night so yeah. if i get flowers i don't put them in my room i don't even i don't even read the cards 
Really? I have to pretend that it's a really normal night because there's a lot of pressure yeah. on you. And you, you don't want to put any more pressure on yourself than is already on you. Um, I mean, uh, it's, it's a great pressure, but it's something that you have to manage. I'm sure every performer would say that. Um, it's an unreal, unreal in inverted commas night. Um, so I try and make myself as calm as possible. I have a lot of chamomile tea. Um, I, yeah, I just do everything. I know I have a big long bath just to calm myself down or a really long shower. Um, and I try and not think about it during the day. I try and, um, do things that will not put myself into the headspace of thinking about it. Um, because that can really wear you down as well. That can make you exhausted. But I just, I just try and, yeah, I just try and be as, as normal as I can. <laughs> Will you go to yeah. the party afterwards? Oh, I have 100 champagnes. Oh, <laughs> totally. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. Well, if there's a matinee the next day, yeah. I won't, which often, sometimes which they, they tend do. Which more and more now. Oh, I don't like it. My understudy on, no, I don't do that. But um, I do. Of course I do. Definitely. Um, but then again, you still have to look after yourself. Yeah. But I'm, you know... I tend to look after myself too. Like I've, I've gone the other way where I've just not spoken at all during the days and only written letters to my parents or whoever I'm living with or my husband at the time, Ian. He'd sort of understand because he's in the industry too. But yeah. madness, madness. In fact, one time I was so funny about it in, in Sound of Music. I had to, I got into this fix of doing exactly the same warm-ups and exactly the same parts of each song before I went on stage and... Uh, it was an obsession and I spoke to Peter Cousins about it who wasn't in the show but I was doing some corporate shows with him and I said Peter I've got this problem I've got this obsession with with the same warm-ups and and I can't do the show unless I do these certain things and I I'm worried I'm worried that I'm a bit crazy well it becomes like a superstition then doesn't it it does and he said Rachel the only way to break that is to walk in and not warm up and do the show I said I don't think I can do that he said you must do that you must go in not warm up, not even warm up in the car, and you do that, sh- and you do the show. He said, "Don't worry, you know." As Amanda Colliver, my singing teacher, would say, "You are still warm from the night before if you're doing eight shows a week." Hello, but with your obsession, you you don't think that you are, and so I did it, and I I, bro- I broke it. So thank you, Peter Cousins. Broke the spell. Bro- broke the spell. Yeah, it's scary. Do you read reviews? No, never. Really? Never. Not tempted at all. No, and if anyone puts one up in the in the um. When you walk through at stage door, I ask them to take it up, take it down, and put it somewhere else, like in the in the cast room or the green room somewhere where I can't see it. Yeah. Never. And friends know not to uh, mention what's been said. Um. Some some people just say, "Oh my God, great review," or "Or gosh, that was interesting." Da 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 da. I'll say, "I don't want to know." Someone will say, "You know, you got a great," telling you a fantastic voice or whatever it was. Um. No one would dare say something bad, but um. That's fine. That's fine. But I, I don't want to read the ins and outs because you believe the good ones, you believe the you believe the bad ones. Mm. It's one person's opinion at the end of the day, and they probably don't know as much about performing as you do. So I'm, you know, they have a lot of power. But I think that, you know, I think it's dangerous. Yeah. I do think it's dangerous because also certain parts of the show are, are, are pinpointed and pointed out, and then you're always conscious of them oh here here comes this great here comes this great moment that's really funny and you know the Sydney Morning Herald loves this moment then by then the moment's gone and you haven't got the laugh yeah you know what I mean yeah 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 messes with your head yeah let's finish with a fun question because you like you like fun oh I do let's let's see where this goes um if your life was a musical what would it be called oh you might come up with various um, oh my goodness what what would it be called? called Rachel um, <laughs> just Rachel. Yeah, could be good. Um, Rebecca Beck. <laughs> People get my name mixed up. No. Um, oh, I thought that was a cat. No, it's um, not. Your, your, your black sock. <laughs> oh gosh, that's a really funny question. Um, well, it's a stupid question, really. I mean, it's a bit bit much to put you on the spot like that. I'm sure you've never thought of your what comes life next being um, turned into a musical. Honestly, don't know. You're in for a ride. <laughs> that's what I'd say. There you go. You're in for a ride. There, yeah. that's, there's the, the reviews. Yep, you're in for a ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, Rachel, it has been an absolute delight um, Thanks, having you here tonight. Um, you. Do, do you have the booking number for Magic? <laughs> 
because we better, we better get on to that now. I think Yvette Robinson might come back for it too, yes. yes, yes we definitely so. might. Guys, we might actually get a group booking, so anyone who'd like to join us yes. um, can Good. do that. And I'll see if we can get drinks afterwards. That'll be lovely. Okay, you're on. All right. Thanks, Rach. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. Bye. Rachel had some great things to say and salient advice for the young person wanting to make a career in the performing arts. Great to have access to her vast experience and infinite knowledge. My guest today was Rachel Beck. John Waters seems to have been a welcome presence on our screens forever. My first recognition of him was as a jolly presenter on the iconic Play School. He then was a face in great series TV like Rush, All the Rivers Run, All Saints and Offspring. He's given us joyous performances on the stage too, in fair such as The Sound of Music, Oliver, A Little Light Music and My Fair Lady. He made his stage debut as Claude in Harry M. Miller's original production of Hair. You might also have seen him in Looking Through a Glass Onion, his tribute to John Lennon, a show he has been touring for 30 years. John discusses all that and more in our next episode of Stages. Don't miss that one. Thanks for joining us today. It's always a joy to have your company. I'm Peter Ayers and you've been listening to Stages. Keep well, keep warm, stay safe. I'll catch you next time.